Such is life. Okay, we're going to... If you're visiting with us, we've been doing a series called A Revolution of Love. And if you talk about the word revolution, you're talking about an upheaval, an uprising. Um, you know, it's a, a, a revolution's messy. If you think about the revolution in France, there were people dead in the street and barricades and it was a messy time. And I guess if we're going to be people of love living in the world that we do and we're going to live our lives with God's love as our benchmark, then it could get messy in our lives trying to get to that point. But it's a good journey. And uh, at the risk of upsetting some people, I want to use an 80s song today. It was by Tina Turner. It's, the song was, What's Love Got to Do Got to do With It? What's love but a second hand? I can't sing, so I won't even try. Emotion. What's love got to do got to do with it? Who needs a heart? When a heart can be broken. I don't know if you can remember that song. It was pretty popular back in the day. Well, love has everything to do with it. And you can't read the red writing, can you? (laughs) Never mind. I'll read it for you. Because love really does have everything to do with everything we're on about. As a church, as Christians, as followers of Christ, without love, what have we got? We've got rules and regulations. We've got theories and, you know, but we need more than that. We need love to be the centerpiece of everything. And that's what Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this love, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So when Tina Turner said, what's love got to do with it? It's just a second-hand emotion. No, love is exactly the opposite of a second-hand emotion. Because the love that God defines for us is a decision of our heart, our mind, our soul and our bodies. It's not a second-hand emotion. It's not a recycled, cast-off, you know, second-rate thing. It's the primary essence and being of who we are. If God is love and God is in us, then therefore, by definition, we should be people of love. It should be the characteristic that distinguishes us. doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that in our journey in life, more and more love should manifest in my life. But she was right about one thing. Because who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Your heart will get broken if you want to be a person of love. It's risky. It's risky. If you think what it cost Jesus to love us, it cost him everything. He had to give up his glory become a little child, be subject to his own creation, suffer the humiliation of being rejected by his own people, hang on a cross. Like for him, his love for us cost him the supreme sacrifice. And it might even cost us that much if we're going to be people of love. So I know when I speak about being a people of love and and following the way of love, I also know that there's going to be pain and anguish and hardship in travelling that road because it's much easier to be someone of hate, someone of revenge, someone who doesn't have any compassion. It's much easier to travel that road and just put up the barricades and live your life like a wrecking ball. But if you're going to be a person of God's love, then that means love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking, and we're going to look at that in a minute. So that's what Paul said. I want to show you the most excellent way. Okay? 
So this is the highest, the most supreme pursuit of anyone's life is to walk the most excellent way that Paul talks about. He said, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what Paul's saying here is love's more important than any giftedness that we have. Doesn't matter how eloquent you are, it doesn't matter if you can speak here and stand here and prophesy and speak in tongues. If that's not done with love, undergirding it and surrounding it and wrapped in that, then who cares? Doesn't matter how eloquent you are. Paul's saying it has to be embedded with love. He goes on to say love's more important than knowledge. Like, who cares if you can fathom all mysteries? Who, can, who cares if you can stand up here and recite the Bible back to front, upside down, and in Greek and know everything on every page? If love doesn't ooze out of us, then what good is the knowledge? It's counter-contrary to what the knowledge is all about because the knowledge is saying we need to be people of love. And Paul said earlier in Corinthians, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love is more important even than faith, Paul's saying. Like he doesn't say it's wrong to have faith, but he's saying even if you can say to that mountain, be moved and rooted up and cast into the sea, if you don't have love, what good's the faith? And we know that without faith it's impossible to please God. So how much more then do we need love? We really need it badly. And love is more important than our generosity or our accomplishments, like Paul was saying. Um, you know, what, what does it matter if I possess, give everything I possess to the poor or give my body over to hardship, which is really saying martyrdom. What if I die for my faith? But Paul says, if you don't have love, you gain nothing. It's pointless. So this morning what I want to do is this. I want to read this passage of scripture out because this is the definition of love. This is the benchmark by which we can measure our lives. And we can do that in a number of ways. Let's read it through carefully. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, I don't know how more eloquently you could actually write that because it is a beautiful piece of scripture. And it's, to me, it's like a test. When I read that passage of scripture, you get, I guess the whole Bible is a test. And uh, for those of you that are in school at the moment going through exams, you know the tests aren't always fun. But I think when Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church, he was giving it to them as the mirror to which they were to hold up their lives because he wanted them to be a people of love. So he gave them a de definition of love so that they could carry that definition in their hearts and that would be the benchmark by which they could always measure whether they were really loving people or not. 
So we know that when we talk about love, we're talking about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength vertically and love your neighbour horizontally as you love yourself. There's three facets of love. And we can apply that passage of scripture to all of those. Now, if I was to read this out and go, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus, you'll go, I get that. I know from scripture I can see all of that. If I were to go about Ray, when I think about Ray, Ray is patient. Ray's kind. We're all good at doing this one, aren't we? We're all good at measuring everybody else up on the scale. Ray does not envy. Ray does not boast. And, and, and that's a good thing to do because they're the sort of people that you want as your friends if they measure up. Now, no one's going to be perfect, but we can very easily measure or, or gauge other people's love. But I think we need to use this passage of Scripture to also ask in my love relationship with God, am I patient with him? Am I kind towards God or, I'm, you know, or am I frustrated with what he's doing in my life? And we can actually apply that in our relationship with the Lord. It's a really good measuring stick. Because if we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength, then if this is the definition of love, then this is the way that we should be loving our Father. You know, some of us get angry at God or we get frustrated with him. But that's a beautiful thing to go, yeah, Lord, I know you're patient with me, but I'll be patient with you in your time, like Emma said this morning, in your way, when you're ready, Lord. But we can go deeper. We can use this passage of scripture and point it inwards to ourselves and say, am I patient with myself? Am I kind towards myself? Now, a lot of Christians beat themselves up. The internal dialogue that goes on is not kind and it's not patient. It's actually very damaging. But this is what we should be asking of ourselves. Do I envy other people? Do I boast? Am I proud? Am I self-seeking? Am I easily angered? Do I keep grudges? Do I get offended easily by people? Or things that are said. But if I've got perfect love, if this is the most excellent way of living, then I should be sort of examining this and saying, Lord, help me so I can put a tick on every one of those. And the ones that I don't have a tick against, Lord, help me to grow in that area. Help me to grow. This is the one that probably matters most, I think. Am I patient towards others? Am I kind towards others? Am I envious about what other people have or am I boastful? Am I proud? Am I self-seeking? Am I easily angered? Do I keep grudges against others? Do I hold offence in my heart and not forgive my brother and sister? Do I delight in evil? Do I rejoice with truth? But love always protects others. It always hopes the best for others. And it also perseveres with others. Even if those others are struggling, we persevere because we know that in the most excellent way, we're going to grow. We're going to become more Christ-like. We're going to be more like him. 
I don't think I'd like to sit an exam like that, to be honest. I don't know that I'd pass. But Paul said, let me show you the most excellent way. And I think what God wants to do, if you've noticed what's happening in our church, is God is saying, I want you to be a people of power. But I want you to be a people of purity to go with that power. Because if the gifts and and the outward working of our faith, if it's not enveloped in love, then we're going to damage people with that power. And that was the scenario that Paul had in the Corinthian church. They had power everywhere. They had tongues and prophecies and all this sort of stuff going on. And he's like, hang on a minute, get that back into order. But just remember, even though you've got all that, the most excellent way is to have that plus love. Love for God, the right sort of love. Love for yourself. And I think God is teaching some of us here that for a long time we have actually not loved ourselves the right way. And because we haven't had the right self-perspective of love, then our motivation to help other people is warped. It comes with strings attached. So I'll do this for you, but as long as you do this for me. No, love is not self-seeking. You may not get anything back. You might say, but I've done all this for you, Lord. And look at the mess that my life's in. Okay, are you being patient towards yourself and God? Are you being kind? Do you see how it works? It's actually a very comprehensive list of how to live life. And if we keep that in our hearts and minds and, and reflect back to God, am I loving you like this? Lord, teach me. Is this the way that I love you? So that's my challenge for you this week. Two things. Memorize the passage. Because if this is the most excellent way, then we should know it off by heart. We really should. This should roll off our tongue really quickly and easily because this is the most important thing. Stick it on the back of your toilet door or somewhere where you sit and meditate or, you know, I don't know, take one every week and put it on your dashboard. But, but learn this. It's really important. But what I want you to do is this week is take some time in your time to get that list out and say, God, show me if that's how I love you. And put a tick next to the ones that you know are right and put a circle next to the ones that you think the Spirit of God is saying, no, there's work to be done. And then ask that question again, Lord, when I think about all the people in my life that I'm trying to love, show me where I'm getting it right and show me where I can grow. And then take that list and turn it back around and look at your own life and ask yourself, Lord, is this how I love myself? Because Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And we can tick Jesus off. We got him right. But he also said, love them as you love yourself. We've got to get that right in our lives. If we're proud... We're going to damage people. If we keep records of wrongs, we're going to have this unspoken list in the back of our head and judgment against people. If we, del if we don't delight in God's truth, God's truth in relationship means sometimes you've got to be bold and courageous enough to go, I'm sorry when you said that, that wounded me and hurt me, and have the courage to deal with stuff. What did Jesus say? If you've got something against your brother, go to him and set it right. So love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, but it's not so fearful that it won't speak the truth. 
That's why I'm saying if we don't love ourselves the right way, then we'll never risk going and saying, hey, Simon, you know when you said that the other day? Because I'll be so frightened about what he might say to me. He might reject me. Also, I won't deal with it at all. (laughs) But then I'll have a grudge in my heart, won't I? And if I can't forgive others, then God won't forgive me. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. It really is. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I pray that that is the sort of relationships that we have in this church, that you will always protect the people in this church. You may not always understand them. There may be things that we do that because we're wired up differently and come from different backgrounds, we we don't quite understand. But protect those people. Protect them. You don't want this to be a place of gossip and rumours. And if someone is gossiping and rumouring, have the courage to say that is not appropriate. This is not the time and the place to do those sort of things. We need to trust one another or learn to trust one another better. We need to always hope for the best for those people around about us, to be praying blessing over them, to be wanting God to do the things in their life that they need and being patient enough to stand with them in prayer and encourage them and being a voice alongside them that, that pushes them on towards living a life that reflects this. And the one thing we need in our love relationships is perseverance. Because it's so easy to give up, isn't it? So easy to give up. But God wants us to keep pressing on. I did, all right, I did 15 minutes. (laughs) Let's pray. (laughs) Father, what an incredible challenge. But what an incredible privilege at the same time to walk the most excellent way. Lord, my prayer is the day that these people come and stand at my graveside, that etched in my tombstone will be these words, that Mark was patient and that Mark was kind and that he never envied, that he did not boast, that he was not proud, that he didn't dishonour the people that you put in my life, that I was never self-seeking, that I didn't get easily angered, that I didn't die on my bedside, with a record of wrongs against those in my life. I don't want to be a man that delights in evil, but I want to rejoice with the truth. And I want to be someone who always protects the people in this church and in God's family. And I always want to be someone who learns to trust and to be vulnerable enough to trust and to always hope for my brothers and sisters that God is doing new things and greater things in their life. And Lord, I want to persevere to the end. So Lord, my prayer this week is that in our quiet times with you, Holy Spirit, that you would take us a little further on the most excellent way. That you would teach us, Lord, that a revolution of love starts with a heart of love. The sort of love that God has designed, not that the world has designed, not a second-hand emotion, but the most precious pursuit that there is on the face of this planet to love one another, Lord, as you've loved us. So, Father, would you teach us that lesson today and tomorrow and the day after 
And may we be a church that wrestles long and hard with what it truly means to love one another, Lord, until we've got it right. Or till we excel in the most excellent way. So, Lord, my prayer this morning is simply that if there are things that need to be set right in our own hearts or against our brothers and sisters, that, Lord, you would help us to be unified and to walk in unity and to keep short accounts with one another, Lord, to keep one another accountable, to walk in the most excellent way. And, Lord, if we veer off the path, may we be bold and loving enough to put our arms around people and pull them back on to the most excellent way. So, Holy Spirit, would you continue to train us and teach us that, Lord, we, we want knowledge and we want giftedness and we want to be used by you, God, but we want that to be birthed in love and surrounded by love and overwhelmed by love in every possible way. So, Father, would you take us on with you? Lord, I don't think that Christians do relationship that well. But we can if we walk in the truth of what you've given us. So today, Father, take us on in this revolution. Start with me. Start with us. And teach us afresh the most excellent way. Lord, just bless each one that's here today, Lord. Father, for the things that they're struggling with in their journey with you, Father, would you just come and breathe that fresh sense of your hope and your power and your provision to them. Lord, just pour out your spirit in even greater measure we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like you to do is just stand up on your feet. And turn to the person on your left and put your hand on them. You might need to move seats up. And just pray a blessing over them. Ask God to move in their life. Just pray however God leads you. Take two minutes to do that and then we'll swap around and we'll go the other way. Thank you, Lord.